pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 186. Today I'm going to chat with the guys from Premier Body Armor, Jason Alex. Discuss the new assault weapons ban, highlight a new micro compact handgun, and talk about a North Dakota man facing fines for the sounds of freedom. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and Jason Alex, how are you guys doing today? Hey, Ava, we're doing awesome. Glad to be on the show. Yeah, yeah thanks for having us. Of course. Are you guys in California right now? No way. Oh, I thought I could have sworn. We try to stay as far away from California as possible. Yeah, same. But I could have sworn that I thought the email that you guys sent me, it had a California address. Man, that sucks for them. No, we're in North Carolina. We're on the freedom side of the country. Okay, good, good. Although it is kind of weird that there's so many gun companies located in California or gun-related companies. I don't know. Anyways, before we get started and talk about Premier Body Armor, I want to take a quick second to talk about Smith & Wesson. I don't know if you guys saw that Smith & Wesson just launched the M&P Shield 9 Plus. I did a review of it. They were nice enough to send the gun two weeks before the launch, so I had plenty of time to do my review, which is always appreciated because some of these companies, they'll send it and then we have no time to do the review. But anyways, I've said it before. There needs to be more subcompact guns that hold more rounds. And really, ever since the P365 came out, okay, one of the other companies going to jump on board. And Smith & Wesson finally jumped on board. It comes with two magazines. One magazine holds 10 rounds, which is flush with the gun. The other one holds 13, which is the extended magazine. I had a chance to shoot it. Shoots really well. Definitely a lot less recoil than the other subcompact guns out there. And then on top of that, they also released, which I wasn't aware of this, I thought they were just releasing the regular one that wasn't optic ready. And they happen to release the optic ready one as well, which I guess the rear sights will co-witness with the red dot, which is always appreciated and I always liked. But yeah, I'm super excited. Base model starts at 553 MSRP. And then the performance center model that's the optic ready is $953. So if you guys want to check out more, head on over to smith-wesson.com. What I also really like about this is there's nothing worse than when a company launches a new product and, oh, I really want that. And you go searching for it online and it's nowhere to be found. If you're going to launch a product, make sure that distributors are stocked with your product. But I've already seen Palmetto State Armory, Brownells, Grab a Gun. Quite a few places actually already have it for sale. So that's always a plus. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, getting into it. Premier Body Armor. You guys might be the first body armor company that I've had on the show. And it only took 186 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're pleased to be the first. (laughs) For people who aren't familiar with the product or the company, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. Good question. I'm Alex, by the way. My dad, Frank, started Premier Body Armor back in 2013. 13, yeah. Yep. Coming off the tail of a previous business called Ultra Machine and Fabrication, 
Ultra was located in Shelby, North Carolina, and specialized in manufacturing of armored vehicles for DOD contracts and this sort of thing. Built a lot of MRAPs, some by the names of like the Buffalo, the Cougar, and some other highly armored vehicles. Mm -hmm. And then as the war started to die down with President Obama taking some funds away from those efforts, we found opportunities, I guess, to transition away from vehicle armor into body armor and started to develop some cool products. And it all started with one of our steel plates that we had yeah. back in the day. Yeah. So, so, uh, Frank, the, the Frank's company, I mean, they built these massive armored vehicles, but they also built consumer type vehicles. So you'd have like Dodge Rams and Jeep Cherokees and Suburbans that were also armored up. Right. And so they used this really, really advanced armored vehicle steel and it's super thin, super lightweight. And some of the special forces guys they were working with were like, is there any way you could make a level three body armor out of this stuff? Your trucks, I mean, our sappy, you know, armor mm -hmm. is like an inch and a half thick. And that just got Frank thinking about it and took him down a very long road. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing what was out there in the market, you know, the AR 500 steel, you know, typical is, is a lot thicker. It would be really, really cool if you could have this super thin armored steel. We thought, well, we're going to make the world's thinnest, lightest steel body armor out of the super advanced uh, vehicle steel. And, that's what we did. And that's what we did. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was an awesome plate and we ran with it for a few years, sold a lot to police departments and civilians and it was great. I mean, super durable, performed really, really well. And then the NIJ office decided they were going to revisit all of the ballistic standards for the industry mm -hmm. and come out with a new set which still isn't out yet, but yeah. should be out probably later this year, maybe early next year is what we're thinking. And steel plates are going to have a problem with the new standards because they're going to add some really, really fast two, two, three, maybe green tips going to be in six, there yeah. and steel plates are going to have to get thicker and heavier and become even less practical to wear on the body. So, so I think when you see that new standard comes out, it's going to change what the body armor industry looks like right now. Civilian-wise, at least. So we're kind of transitioning into a place where we're already compliant with that new spec for our products. But that plate was an awesome plate. It was kind of in a weird place, right? We had the best steel armor available. We had a patent on the actual curve. So a true curve on steel armor. It's just a little bit more expensive than usually your standard, standard plates. plates. <laughs> standard, standard steel, some of our competitors. And just people didn't necessarily want to pay premium for steel armor. So mm -hmm. that kind of leads us into the ultra high molecular weight polyethylene plates. Yep. Wow. So that's how we got our start. That's and, crazy. Uh, Let me get this straight. You guys come out with basically the best deal. It's sure. thinner. Uh, I'm assuming it's probably lighter weight than the competitors. Absolutely. The lightest. I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking, we're talking six millimeters thick. So just super, super thin, which is very cool when you're wearing it. So when you're shouldering a rifle, yeah. you couldn't even feel it. Just really amazing. Yeah. Like six, Pounds. And now you guys have to change all of that because of the standards that are changing yeah. of the ballistics. Yeah. Yeah. It's advantageous too, because I mean, we could still produce that plate. Yeah. yeah no problem. But, but um, people, especially as a consumer, I would probably want something that's going to meet the new standards just because yeah. obviously there's a reason why you're wearing that plate. And if you were to get shot with this ammo that has better ballistics, you want to make sure that you're protected. I think too. I think too, the polyethylene, if we're talking rifle, I have access to all the armor I could possibly ever want. 
I carry level three A armor with me in my backpack. I'm not concerned necessarily about rifle threats. Mm-hmm. And that said, we do make a rifle rated plate for backpacks and we also make it for carriers. And I have, have the, my carrier, but when you put on a carrier that is polyethylene, has polyethylene plates that weigh three pounds versus one plate that weighs six to seven pounds in steel or more, mm-hmm. right? So you have two plates in a plate carrier, you know, in polyethylene where it would be one plate the same way as one plate in steel. So, I mean, you have a lot of advantages with the polyethylene. It is more expensive, but it's much, much lighter weight. Yeah. And how much more expensive are we talking about? Probably double. Okay. Yeah. It just depends. Actually, I think I have one of your plates now that I'm thinking about it. It would be the awesome one that's... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When you open up your your gun box or whatever it is, it glows. Yeah. Angels singing. Well, yeah, but unfortunately, it's somewhere. I got to find it. You know, know, just like with all this other stuff. You got to have it readily accessible for it to be very helpful. I know. (laughs) I know. But that's the problem is I bought a four bedroom house and it's just me and oh, this is plenty of room. And now, man, I need a bigger house because I get all the stuff and and I don't get rid of it. I have this thing where if somebody gives me something, I'm not going to just give it off or sell it or something like that. I keep it. And as a result, it's definitely taken up. Mm. Huh? I I think they have a TV show about those kind of Yeah. Well, but then on the other side, (laughs) I know, but then on the other hand, I'm actually very neat and organized and a clean freak. So yeah. So everything's in its little spot. How do you guys do the testing for this? What does it mean to have an NIJ certification? Yeah, that's a good place to start. A lot of people are unfamiliar with NIJ levels. Uh, It can be kind of confusing. And now there's like industry jargon that's thrown in there. That's not official. That makes it even more confusing. But basically, the National Institute of Justice seeks to provide a testing protocol for body armor and mainly for law enforcement agencies to gauge the quality of armor on a very formal basis. And then that set of standards has, of course, trickled into the civilian market because it's the same manufacturers for the most part. Mm -hmm. For example, level 3A is a really, really common handgun rated rating. Stops up to 44 Magnum, including most of your common handgun threats. And then the other one that a lot of people hear is level three, which is rifle threats. 308 is the test round that they use for level three. Mm-hmm. And then the last one that's really common would be level four, which is for armor piercing threats. And for all of these, people need to be, they need to do the research on it, right? We can, you can't just say it's 44 Magnum, right? Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, you put the 44 Magnum in a carbine, the 16 inch barrel, it's all about velocity. So yeah. for level three, the standard is 44 Magnum at 1,350 feet per second at a distance of five meters, two inches apart, six shots, two inches apart, two inches from the edge. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you see uh, someone on YouTube dumping a whole bunch of rounds into it. You know, it is bullet resistant up to a point, right? Yeah. So you need to look at the standard and kind of understand it's a, it's a good starting point, right? So when you see companies add a plus onto it, that just means that they've gone beyond the standard and they've tested it for things that aren't included in the standard. So for level three, for example, the standard is only 308, That's right? It. It's from, I think it's 2750 is the velocity from a distance of 15 meters. And this is just, I'm pulling this off my head. Yeah. So <laughs> I could be slightly wrong, but but that's all stuff that actually most people don't think about is velocity. And you just typically just think of the round as opposed to the gun that's shooting yeah. that round. That's a really good point. 
Have you guys ever seen any of those stupid videos where somebody's like, yep, and this vest is bulletproof and they point the gun at somebody who's wearing the bulletproof vest and yeah, absolutely stupid. Stupid. It's like, I mean, I've seen them gone wrong, obviously, where that person's been shot and then I've seen where it actually kind of did work. But like, why would you ever want to put yourself or somebody else in that situation? Human life is the most important thing. If you would ever, we would never test a vest on somebody. Yeah. <laughs> that is just so idiotic to me. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, the technology is so good. Like you were talking about the ballistic dummy lab before, like their technology is fantastic. The the ballistic clay is, is designed to replicate what it would be like on a human body. So there's a lot of science involved in it. Mm-hmm. There's no need to test it on a person, right? Yeah, absolutely. I know when I had ballistic dummy lab on the show, they said that they were going to work with you guys and do some testing. Have they done that yet? Yeah, I think they did something with Terran Tactical. We're still working yeah. on a like a feature video with them. Huh. Um, so okay. that's forthcoming. Yeah, yeah. that'll definitely they're, be interesting. They're good guys. Yeah, they it's are. always more fun to see you know armor being shot on something other than a rubber dummy or sure. or on a block or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it seems like with the ballistic dummy lab, the torsos, it definitely seems a lot more realistic. I would definitely be curious to watch that. Tell me about the different kinds of vests that you guys make. So our aim, we started out with the military first and then went to law enforcement and then kind of like almost by pure accident got into, you know, civilian body armor. Some of the vests that we sell, especially on the civilian side, are designed either one of two things. One is for the plate carrier with, you know, where you have your magazines and that kind of stuff, like, I don't know, a tactical kind of thing, (laughs) uh, which are amazing. We've got some that are level 3A all the way around that have pockets for your level three or four armor to go in. So you have pistol and and shotgun, you know, protection in the base vest. That's our Eagle. It's a fantastic vest. We actually stock that vest. So one of the cool things that we think is there's this weird thing in our industry called lead time. Lead lead time is kind of short for we'll make it when you order it. And, you know, that's, that doesn't really work. People want to, when they, in the age of Amazon, you know, they want to be able to buy it and then have it at least that week. So we actually manufacture body armor in the United States pretty much 24-7. We do yep. take Sundays off, so it's 24-6, you know, <laughs> but we have that in stock. So we even stock our vests, a lot of our vest SKUs. Um, yeah. That Eagle vest is one of them. And then we have an executive vest that's literally designed to kind of conceal underneath a button-down shirt mm-hmm. for an executive. But that that vest is on tour with a whole bunch of different bands. There's more politicians on Capitol Hill right now, you know, wearing that executive vest than, than we can count. So mm-hmm. it's a cool, that's a really cool vest. And then we have a concealed t-shirt, you know, that has armor pockets in it. So any of those things can be worn by the average guy. We have a lot of customers, you know, that wear that stuff out to dinner. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Shockingly enough, the number one city or the number one location in the United States that we sell to is Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they're going out to dinner or I think it really pairs well with that concealed carry mindset, right? When you carry a firearm, you're not going to be doing it in Chicago, but you feel safe. And when you leave the state or you leave your place where you feel secure, you know, being able to have that body armor really is very, very helpful. Traveling with it, we've all traveled all over the world. You know, we carry body armor with us in our backpacks or in a vest, usually in a backpack, but you have at least a level of protection that you wouldn't have without it, right? You can hold that bag up and protect yourself from a knife threat or, you know, someone has a firearm. It's better than having nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about SB Tactical. 
So if you guys have the SIG MPX or the MCX, you need to check out the MPX PSB from SB Tactical. It's a three-position adjustable brace designed to fit exactly the slots in the receiver of the MPX and MCX pistols. The twin steel extension rods give you a rock-solid stability regardless of the position it's in, and it gives you a short collapse package. The adapter attaches directly to the 1913 rail on the back of the MPX, so you don't have to make any changes to the gun, and it's super easy to install. The whole kit is $199.99, but when you use the code GUNFUNNY15, you will get 15% off, and that is at sb-tactical.com. I'm curious with these vests, especially the ones that go under the clothes, is there anything that keeps these vests clean from daily wear and stuff like that? Because I've seen even the concealed carry, this is kind of off topic, but the concealed carry tank tops for women where the gun's located kind of right underneath their armpit. Yeah, that's great. But unless you buy seven of them, you're pretty much wearing the same one every day and it's gross. How do you keep it clean? Yeah, that's a good question. For most concealment vests, well, at least for ours, I'll speak for ours. It's a two or a three-piece system where you have the actual carrier, which is the part that's against your skin. And then you have the two ballistic inserts, one for the front and one for the back. So we give a two-year warranty on our carriers. So the easiest way to keep it clean is just, you know, after you wear it, pull your uh, armor inserts out, throw it in the wash, wash it just like you normally do, nice. and then hang it up to dry. And then like for the executive vest, for for example, we take it one step further and we actually have like a antimicrobial finish on the material that definitely helps with what you're talking about, you know, with the smell or with discoloration, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's a couple of things, but I think most people are confused about that when it comes to armor. That is, you know, is it even possible to wash it? And yeah, you definitely can. They're machine washable. You the just take panel. the armor out. Yeah. <laughs> and we have had people that you know have washed it with the armor in it, which is yeah. <laughs> it, it is it is inside the carrier itself. Any of the products that are carrier, whether it be a t-shirt, executive vest, you know, the or, or any of the our our soft armor solutions, the soft armor panel can be easily removed, and then you just wash the carrier. Yep. And the armor is inside the, the Kevlar and the soft armor, for example, is inside a a waterproof ripstop material. It's yeah. sealed. That's right. So that said, you still don't want to wash it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Tell me about some of the school safety products that you guys make, because I'd imagine that's been a huge increase in the last couple of years, the demand for it. Anyways, there's been a huge increase. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I literally just left a 20-year career in the public school system. So. Oh, really? Uh, what were you doing there? I was a teacher. And then for more than half the time, and then I was a trainer, a teacher trainer, technology integration specialist. So, you know, I think everybody needs armor. And my kids have body armor in their backpacks. This is a passive solution. You know? okay. my, my youngest son, when he was in eighth grade, they weren't allowed to carry backpacks. So we designed a pencil pouch, mm -hmm. right? I also showed them how to use med kits as well. You don't want to do it in a scary way, but, you know, when your children leave the house, you want them to be safe. Yeah. Their, their chances of something happening to them are minimal. but you know, you want to give them that extra edge. It's not, it is a very, very, very small portion of what we do, but we feel like it's important to protect what's important. And I think, I think that, you know, everybody in the family should have some sort of armor solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. We want to destigmatize body armor. You know, most people think about body armor as a plate carrier or, you know, they think of a 
military guy who's decked out with a helmet and a rifle and all this stuff. Yeah. But I mean, we try to come up with solutions that anyone can carry throughout their regular day without changing their routine at all. Mm-hmm. You know, laptop case, backpack insert, you know, pencil pouch that Jason just mentioned, executive vest. I mean, all of these things you can utilize on a daily basis without really changing your normal routine at all. So yeah. there's nothing scary about it at all. It's a fiber. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? And just like your shirt. Yeah. So we, we, we get tied a lot to the, you know, there are some pretty uneducated people out there that want to ban body armor, which is illogical. It's just uh, laughable. It, it is laughable. Yeah. yeah. But it is really just fiber. Yeah. Tell me more about the pencil pouch. How big is that? It's a regular, like a regular size of pencil pouch. It was designed to go in a three ring binder. So what would you do with that? You put your pencils in it? Well, so, okay, okay, let's say there's an active shooter. You get out your pencil pouch and where are you putting it? We're talking about the same pencil pouch. So we're thinking like, you know, the old school, like pencil pouch that has the three rings. Yeah. Like the punch hole rings in it. And you, okay. So you put it inside your binder, right? That's Mm -hmm. what we're talking about. It's flat. So yeah, active shooter walks in, you have your notebook there, you would just fold it up and either hold it in front of you or hold it behind you while you try to make an escape mm-hmm. if you can. I, mean, it's I would just show one okay. layer that makes you, sense. the assailant. I would yeah. show my son, you know, get his get down as small as you possibly can. If you yeah. just have your binder, get down in front of it. So there's a difference between cover and concealment. Yeah. We've grown up watching these movies where the cop is behind the door and he's getting shot at. He's miraculously being protected by yeah. the door. Bullets go through just about everything. Mm -hmm. They go through doors. They go through tables. It's amazing, but it doesn't go through this magical little fiber. Yeah. So my son can carry around, can cover wherever he goes. It's cool. It's just a little bit of, you know, think about it. You can't just stick it in there and just hope for the best. You got to say, listen, hey, if something bad happens, get down as small as possible and get behind this thing. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. No, that makes sense. The same thing for an adult. Yeah. You're riding in the car, you put it up. It's a part of you don't just buy a gun and stick it in your purse or your, yeah, or, or your holster. It's a part I mean, it's of a your preparedness yeah. mindset. Mm-hmm. As simple as a backpack insert is just one more layer in your plan to be protected wherever you go. Okay. And then you guys also make canine vests. How small do you make these canine vests? Because I have a four pound dog yeah. named Tickles. She could definitely use one. That's true. Wait, yeah. are you guys laughing? You guys think yeah, it's funny? Well, my dog is eight pounds, so I'm right here. <laughs> what kind we, of... we joke in the office that Alex's dog is not actually a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, imagine having a four pound dog who's full size. She's almost eight. What kind of dog is it? A toy fox terrier. Wow. Which, what do you what have? Is... I have no idea. It's a mutt. <laughs> oh. Yeah, she's super tiny. She wasn't even a pound when I got her when she was eight weeks wow. old. Yeah, so she's super tiny, but. But she put tactical Taz on, you know. Yeah. So actually, tactical Taz is bigger than her. She has longer legs, but tactical Taz, I think, weighs seven pounds. Okay. Have, and, have you seen our bulletproof koozie? Have you seen our bulletproof can cooler? No. So, I mean, we use the word bulletproof. As, yeah. I mean, people, it's not, I mean, it's a level two bulletproof can cooler, right? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Like you put it was on your can. Goes yeah, like a drink. koozie you type totally thing. Wrap that, yeah, yeah. You could wrap that around or it has Velcro. <laughs> so I actually use the koozies, the little tack vest koozies, and she can fit into those. And she has a oh, bunch. Right, yeah. So we yeah. saw, and we could rebrand that. It could be like the m- micro canine. Yeah. Oh, that's, a good, that's a good name right there. Nobody take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Edit. Nobody take that. But it's actually a good idea, especially for a lot of these canines that 
are in law enforcement, you want to make sure that they're protected. So it makes perfect sense for them to also wear some sort of bulletproof vest. For sure. Bullet and stab. Uh, we designed that particular vest with a veterinarian. Or mm-hmm. at, actually, it was a team of veterinarians. Oh, wow. You know, uh, we found that there were a lot of vests that were on the market that talking to law enforcement officers that, that said that their dogs, were, they would go without the armor vest because it would restrict their movement and the dog would hate it. Is that ever seen a dog walking with boots on, mm-hmm. you know, like same kind of thing. Yeah. But our vest, you know, the same dog that hates his, his vest doesn't even know he's wearing it. He thinks it's just a harness. So wow. super cool. I mean, we're, you know, those canine officers, they play a very, very important role for those departments and they are family t- to that particular officer or the handler. So you able to provide them with, you know, state of the art body armor solution that doesn't change the way they can do their job. It makes us feel really good. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Actually, what's funny is when I put these little koozie vests on tickles, she gets pissed off and she won't move and she'll even just freeze, even if it's one leg up, which is kind of perfect because when I have to take pictures of her, okay, cool. She's not running around. Okay, calm down. But she just sits there and looks so miserable and just mad and it's hilarious. But that's actually, that makes perfect sense. You obviously don't want to prohibit the dog from doing its job. Do you guys have any future plans that you can share with listeners? We're always thinking of the next best thing. thing, I mean, it never stops. You know, we sit around and we we work hard and we play hard. You know, we sit around, we have fun at work. Work for us is, this is a family run business. Everybody who works here considers each other part of the family. We have a good time and then we come up with ideas and, you know, if it's a good idea, we run with it. Sometimes it's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. We try to have a little bit of fun with the can coolers. We came up with a bulletproof wallet. I think it's just fun. It's a fun product. You know, we were talking one day about all the movie scenes where a guy <laughs> gets shot in the butt, yeah. like Forrest Gump. And there's just a, there's a ton of them actually. And we're like, we should totally make a bulletproof wallet. <laughs> well, so we did. <laughs> we didn't just make a, a decent wallet. We made a, a legit wallet. Legit wallet. Yeah. And we said it was just on uh, demolition ranch. Yeah. So <laughs> that, yeah. Was, that was cool. He, it stopped, uh, he stacked seven of them up, eight, eight, and he shot it with uh, five, five, six, yeah, and six, six five, three more. More, yeah. it stopped. I guess one of them had skirted out the side, but it stopped the other one. Yeah, but the individual he put it, he put it in a dummy. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it stopped all the rounds it was supposed to. Level two, it stops up to three fifty-seven. You know, he shot it wow. twenty-two, and then yeah, it's a really fun. Yeah, video. so so needless to say, we've always got some stuff in the works. Yeah, some, Do you guys use fun. the hashtag hashtag protect the tushy? Yeah, Ooh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but I mean, those are fun products. That's just the kind of, that's us. I think we, we call it flexing a little bit, you know, yeah. since we are a manufacturer, you don't come up with concepts and then send it off to, uh, to China. Yeah. We make it ourselves. And we, the people that we have that are sewing, they've been doing it forever. Uh, and they're just, they're part of our family as well. And they are amazing at what they do. And they're able to produce some really cool things. So if you look at our Bulletproof wallet, you're like, wow. And then when you look at our vests, the same level of detail is in that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is the bulletproof wallet, it is not a, I mean, it, it does have ballistic properties to it, but that just That's has fun. having fun. Yeah. We, so we've got the fun products like that, but to answer your question specifically, we do have a few products coming out soon. They're going to be pretty awesome that we can't mention yet, but uh, people should be on the lookout for them. because it's going to be great additions to the lineup. Yeah. They can sign up for our newsletter on our website. Those people will get, you know, they get a little, they'll find out first. Yeah. Yeah, They find out first, follow us on social media. We sneak peek stuff out there. Um, Yeah. Some exciting products soon. Nice. Okay. 
And then also you guys offered listeners a code to get 10% off, which is just the code GUNFUNNY. Does it make a difference if it's all caps or lowercase? Nope. Any combination. Okay. All right. So GUNFUNNY, all one word, gets you 10% off. And if you click on the link in the show notes, it will send you to the website as well. But just in case, if you guys don't know what that is, it's just premierbodyarmor.com. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. Well, moving forward, IWI. In the words of Joe Biden, buy a shotgun. The TS-12 from IWI is definitely not the double-barreled shotgun he had in mind, which is exactly why everyone should have one. If you haven't checked it out, it's a really futuristic-looking bullpup shotgun that's a ton of fun. I personally have one, and it's just a blast to shoot. It's got three rotating tubes for a total of 15 rounds with the standard two and three-quarter shells, more if you're using the mini shells. MSRP is $1,400, which actually, oddly enough, happens to be the same as a stimulus check. Hint, hint. While you're checking those out at IWI.us, don't forget if you see any swag, magazines, any other accessories in the web store, if you use the code GUNFUNNY15, you will get 15% off. And again, that website is IWI.us. Yeah, that one's on my list for sure. It's definitely a fun gun. Okay, politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? The next potential assault weapons ban could be heading our way. Dianne Feinstein's latest assault weapons bill was filed last week. The bill is 125 pages and is the most extreme version we've seen proposed yet. The new bill would ban 205 guns specifically by name and by a large list of features. All AK and AR pistols, of course, are included. Any pistol with a brace, all semi-auto shotguns that have detachable magazines or fixed tubes with more than five shells, which could technically even count short two-and-a-half shell capacity, revolving cylinders, or at least one military feature, which all these are in quotes. Rifle features bans, pistol grip or forward grip, folding, telescoping, or detachable stock, grenade launcher, which happens to already be banned in most states without very specific licensing, barrel shroud, and threaded barrel. As for pistol features, threaded barrel, second pistol grip, which is also already banned without being an SBR or an AOW, barrel shroud, detachable magazine that extends outside the grip, and semi-auto versions of an automatic firearm, which essentially is pretty much every semi-auto out there, any of the new semi-autos. Shotgun features banned, folding, telescoping, or detachable stock, Pistol grip, fixed magazine over five rounds, detachable magazine, forward grip, grenade launcher. Detachable magazines over 10 rounds would be banned. Any belt-fed semi-auto, which I can't think of any that have been used in a crime. Any design that came about to get around the prohibitions of the 1994 assault weapons ban would be banned, like thumbhole stocks or bullet buttons. There would be a number of buyback programs created, which is funny because, yeah, that's worked so well in the past. In its current form, it would basically ban virtually all new semi-autos. The current form would allow current owners to keep them, but they would have to be stored locked up with the trigger lock. 
any guns kept by owners would have to have the DOJ approved production dates legibly and conspicuously engraved or cast on the weapon, as well as magazines, which would also have to be serial numbered. You look at this bill and you're just like, what the hell? And it actually is kind of weird that that only comes down, it only falls down on 205 guns because the way I see it, it almost sounds like every freaking gun out there minus some muzzle loader or like just break action gun, which I would not want to use for self-defense, but I don't know. It's definitely alarming. My next article that I'm writing for Shooting Industry Magazine is going to be about politics and what people do to discuss politics with their customers, which I'm realizing that a lot of people don't. They keep politics completely out of it, which is what we've been raised to do our entire lives. But it's gotten to a point, especially if this is your career, if you are literally making a living in the firearms industry, why would you not try to do whatever you possibly can to alert people of what's going on? And I would just imagine that if you're not in the industry, earlier today, somebody was talking to me about the car industry and how they want to ban people from making any sort of changes to their cars and they'd have to go through the factory. I forget exactly. I wasn't really paying attention because that's how much cars interest me. But as soon as this person realized that I wasn't really paying attention, they're like, yeah, this is how people who aren't in the gun industry, when you're trying to talk to them about guns, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, assault weapons ban. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Let's keep everyone safe. And and for me, it's essentially when you hear about the car thing, cool, let's just get all these hoodlums from making loud exhausts that are just super annoying. But you don't think about, oh, the person who backed up into, I don't know, a wall and messed up their exhaust. And instead of paying $20 to fix it themselves, they have to go through the factory. Yeah. And I'm kind of getting off on a tangent, but I think it's really important to have these talks and to educate people on what's going on. Because really, when you think about it, a lot of people, unless you're in the gun industry, have no idea that these bills are being proposed. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the devil's in the details. Yeah. These giant bills, you know, 125 pages. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not on Capitol Hill, so maybe they have their own reasons. But I mean, 125 pages of all of these little details. Yeah. That's where the problem lies, you know, Mm -hmm. aside from the fundamental issue with our constitution or issue like against our constitution, I guess, you know, we have a right to have these firearms when there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, And for me, this whole conversation goes back to, you know, tyrannical governments and keeping ourselves free and that kind of thing. And, you know, having modern weapons is the only way that that could be possible. Because I'm not an idealist. I don't think everyone is looking to preserve my well-being all mm-hmm. the time. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So I might have to do that for myself one day, you know, protect my family. Yeah, no kidding. So things and- like this are pretty confusing to me. I don't I don't see why anyone could read this. Well, I guess that's the problem. No one reads this, right? It right. is the details that's the problem. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how you could see this kind of thing and think it's as a great idea. Yeah. It's, it's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. But right now, I think that the legislation what's the one that was at the hr 124 is that the one that was like it was so ridiculous and over the top maybe that was put out first as kind of like a, a guise of i think you're right you yeah. know mm-hmm. and then now let's put in this one that they really want to I'm, i bet you there's no sunset provision in this this is huge this should this should have everybody i mean we, we, we have to be smart about this not angry you know we don't want to give them the ammunition that they want well, to yeah. the they, they propose this absolutely insane piece of legislation that they know will not pass 
well, at least before this current administration, they have probably more power now than before, but they know it's unlikely that it'll pass as it is, but that's not the goal. The goal is to make um, some concessions with the other side of the aisle and still get something substantial passed. And that is what happens over and over again, Mm -hmm. because compromise is so important, even when they're compromising our constitutional rights. Yeah, and here's another thing. If voting is so important, I mean, you have the I mean, it's, I was going to say it's so important the Democrats did it twice. Um, (laughs) Or a lot of them that maybe we want to get, leave that out. But uh, I think that, you know, if you're a gun owner, if you're responsible enough to own a firearm, you should be responsible enough to go out and vote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I do think that there's a lot to be said about power numbers and think about when they were trying to ban braces again, or classify anything with a brace on it as an SBR. And as soon as people started to work together and inform the public and they were able to sign this saying that they were against it, then they were like, okay, we're not going to push this any further for now. But that's the perfect example of change can come when more people get involved. At this point, we're really complacent. And I think a lot of us are like, nah, it's not going to happen. I can't tell you how many gun owners I hear that come through my classroom. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. They can't ban guns. Okay, I don't know what world you're living in, but I would love to live in that world because it seems so much more ideal to think like that and less stressful, but it's on the verge of happening. So definitely take action. Yeah, and calling your representative, calling or emailing, they think they have to respond. Yeah. Right? Someone does. If you clog up the legislators and have all their team having to answer the phone or reply to emails, it's taking time away from whatever else they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, definitely. I think we need to remember, the general public needs to remember that politics is just a form of a game, right? Yeah. I mean, these people are playing with laws. Uh, and I'm not saying all politicians are bad, but I'm saying that they're receiving pressure hard pressure from a lot of angles, you know, from civilians, from other politicians, and they're going to cave at some point to some sort of pressure. So I think the general population needs to voice these opinions and not just take our constitutional rights for granted, because, Mm -hmm. you know, with one stroke of a pen from enough people on Capitol Hill, um, those could be affected for some amount of time. So no, yeah, definitely. uh, All right, moving forward, Manicore Arms. I talked about the IWITS-12. Well, Manicore Arms happens to be the first company to make aftermarket parts for it. Like I mentioned before, I have the TS-12. I installed the Manicore Arms butt pad, which was super easy. You literally just press a button in the back, slide off the old butt pad, slide the new one on. I also replaced the charging handle for the curled charging handle, which just gives you a better grip. It sticks out just a little bit more, and that way you're not racking your knuckles on the receiver. The curved butt pad is $72.95, and the knurled charging handle is $38.95. Both of these are in stock right now. Head on over to manicorearms.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15. That gets you 15% off. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A. If my EDC has a red dot, how important do you think backup irons are? This is actually a pretty good question. And 
One of the things, so recently I reviewed the new Springfield Hellcat RDP, and there were so many comments where, oh, if you need a red dot, you're screwed. Red dot for self-defense, that's dumb. And I was just trying to wrap my mind around how people could possibly conclude this when it takes a lot more time to line up your sights, or let's say you're just focusing on the front sight, and it's the exact same as if you're focusing on the front sight, you might as well just be focusing on a red dot, which is going to be a lot more accurate. And a lot of these red dots now are so compact and small that they're really easy to carry with the red dot. But as far as having backup irons, red dots, obviously it's battery operated and the battery could fail. And if that's the case, then you're going to want those backup irons. I know even when I was shooting the RDP, I was sort of using both the red dot and the sights, but that's because I don't really love that back U-shaped sight. Lining them up using both definitely helped me to shoot more accurately than just the front and back sights as is. Yeah, I would definitely, and that's what I love about the Shield Plus, the optic ready version also is the iron sights co-witness with the red dot. And then also, now that I'm just thinking about it, but let's say you are carrying it and like lint from your pocket or something gets on your red dot and it limits that visibility. It's all around. You have nothing to lose by having those backup irons. Do you guys have anything to add to that? I'm not cool enough to have a, a red dot on my, <laughs> on my EDC pistol. Oh, boy. Uh, you better get with it, man, this is the future. I, think, I mean, you have, you have practice point shooting. I mean, if you want to have a red dot, then you can have a red dot. That's what's so Definitely. great about this industry in this country. It's like, if you want one, knock yourself out and have one. I don't have to have it, right? Alex is cool enough to have a red dot. Are you, wait a minute. Are you one of those guys that wrote on, you know, the comments under my video? Like, man, if you need a red dot for self-defense, you're just, I mean, you're dumb. You're like, okay, (laughs) that's great. Do I even want to bite and argue with this guy or just laugh it off and just. It's the same guy. He just has like a whole bunch of internet. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. If you want to, that's the same thing with lasers. You know, if you're the guy who wants a laser, then, you know. Have a laser. I do, if I don't want one, then I don't. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, the problem is, is red dots actually help. Lasers don't really do much. <laughs> <laughs> I, there may be something there. I can never get. I've tried with the red dot. I wanted I mean, to be if cool. If you grow up shooting a lot of iron sights, only shooting iron sights, the transition to a red dot can be kind of confusing at yeah. first. It definitely takes some practice. Yeah, I think a lot of people encounter their first red dot on a handgun. They might not be familiar with the gun. They're certainly not familiar with the red dot and they just give up, you know, after a few, you know, you go through a few times and you're like, this is just really weird. You know, I yeah. can shoot my Glock just the way it is. And that's it. You I'm know, a huge end of story. Yeah. So. I'm a huge proponent of quality night sights. You know? Oh yeah, totally. I think yeah, night sights are really important. Yeah. At the very least. At the yeah. very least. I mean, night yeah. Sights. yeah. I agree with that. But yeah, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but I don't know. I think people who want to transition over to using a red dot, it's not that hard. I would definitely recommend it. I do think that that's where the future is heading. And people are arguing an active shooter or an attacker, all this happens within 10 yards and you don't have time. Yeah, exactly. You don't have time to line up those sites. So why would you use the red dot? But yeah, Yeah, don't don't even get me started. Witness iron sights with the red dot definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Can't go wrong. All right. Primary arms. I was checking out Primary Arms, their website last night, and it's just amazing how much stuff they have in stock. It's like going down the rabbit hole. 
I found tons of options in weapon lights and lasers, speaking of lasers, which a lot of places have been out of stock on recently. So they've got a ton of brands and models to choose from, including Streamlight, Surefire, Enforce, as well as a ton of mounting options. A number of the Streamlight ones right now are on sale. If you're in need of a weapons light, definitely go check them out. Also, if you find a primary arms optic, don't forget to use the code AVA, A-V-A, and that gets you a free mount with every primary arms optic that you purchase. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Ruger unveils the Max 9, also to unveil on Monday. Aside from the Smith & Wesson Shield Plus 9, Ruger also introduced their high-capacity micro-compact pistol, which is the Max 9. It's kind of interesting that they both launched a new gun on the same day, and it kind of makes you wonder if one person talked to the other person at different companies, and, oh, well, we don't want them to steal a spotlight, so we're going to have to do it, but Ruger did announce it a few hours before Smith & Wesson announced it at their virtual event. I haven't had a chance to get my hands on one on the Max 9. It's weird because Ruger, they said that they were going to send me one of their new 5.7 guns. They never did. So I'm not really holding my breath to see if they're going to send me a Max 9. But maybe the range that I use, they'll get one. If I can get my hands on one, I'll definitely review it. But it is nice to see that there's more options out there than just the Springfield Hellcat or the P365. And to top all of these models, they are optic ready. MSRP is about 500 bucks, which is pretty affordable considering they're not as decked out as some of the other guns. Like the Shield Plus, for example, has a really nice trigger. Ruger triggers I've never really cared for. And if you haven't seen it, it kind of looks like the LC9, like the LCP and LC9, which I never really cared for the way that that looked. But I've heard really good things about some of the Rugers. I'm trying to think, what is the Ruger model that came out a year and a half ago and it was under $500? I mean, I heard really good things about it. I didn't review one, but I did shoot one. And when I say shoot, I probably only maybe shot 30 or 40 rounds from it, but it actually wasn't a bad little gun. As far as the LCP and the LC9, I'm not a big fan of. Anyways, yeah, they just came out with that. If you guys want to check out more about that gun, I believe their website is Ruger.com. Do you guys have anything to add to it? Have you had a chance to look at it? I mean, I just, I looked at it today. I mean, I think it's, it's cool. I mean, yeah, they're all basically, SIG came out with a really, really innovative firearm and that, that size is amazing. It kind of reminds me of, you know, what happened with the 380s with, you know, Caltech several years ago, mm -hmm. coming out of the 3AT and then Ruger came out with the LCP and then Smith and Wesson came out with Bodyguard <laughs> and then Taurus had the TCP, but like, it was innovative at the time. Now, nine millimeters is a much more capable round. The 365, the P365 revolutionized concealed carry. I mean, it's an amazing gun. I had a shield, a standard shield before that, which I thought was pretty great. Mm -hmm. And then when the 365 came out, that's what I started carrying. But it was a really, really good size carry. And I think that it doesn't really, I mean, competition is great. It drives innovation. It drives Everybody wins. You know, if you're a Ruger fan, you're not going to carry a Segi. Now you have an option. Yeah. If you're a Wesson fan, you have an option. That's great. Yeah. And I think actually the Sig P365, Sig announced last week or something that it now comes in 380. Wow. Huh. It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get a few more 380 in there. You know, it's also thinking, weird too. One of the things I'm not really a big fan of is now all of the new guns that we're seeing, it's basically the same gun with just a minor change. 
the P365XL or the the SAS or same thing with Smith & Wesson, the Shield Plus, which I'm pretty sure a lot of the parts are interchangeable. The magazine isn't, obviously, but I think the slide and stuff is. But it's just kind of weird. It's not, I don't know, I I don't want to say it's lazy, but to a degree, it's kind of like, eh. But then again, look at Glock. Anytime Glock comes out with a new gun, there's not really any big changes to it. Sure. Who knows? Um, I know it costs a lot of money for R&Ding a product. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. a lot of those guns are essentially copies. They got, they probably got a hold of, you know, I don't know. No, it makes I, sense. It's definitely probably a lot more cost effective to make a minor change and still use a lot of the other parts that they already have. I think it's cool what SIG did is they looked at what people needed or wanted, right? And they brought them something that maybe they didn't even think was possible. Mm-hmm. I think that is really, really cool. Yeah. I like it when companies do that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, they definitely set that standard for the micro high capacity pistols. And with competition, we all win. So, Mm -hmm. sure. Absolutely. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as... Never mind. AF. North Dakota man threatened with fines for American flag noise. A Fargo resident reported that he's been receiving threatening letters from his condo association over complaints that his American flag makes too much noise on windy days. Andrew Almer says he's always wanted to have an American flag in his yard when he owned a home. He bought his condo two years ago and has flown the flag ever since. Day and night, it's an all-weather flag, and he keeps it lit up at night. This January, he received a letter, which he laughed when he was reading it, He said, this is ridiculous. You cannot tell me somebody is complaining about a flapping flag in the wind. Then shortly after, a second letter showed up threatening a $200 a day fine if he doesn't take the flag down. Almer thinks that it has nothing to do with the sound of the flag flapping and is a personal vendetta from the condo association president who lives in the unit above him. Almer has no plans to take the flag down. The Freedom to Display the American Flag Act of 2005 prevents condo associations from restricting displays of the U.S. flag on residential property. He says it's going to stay up, and if he needs to, we'll take it to court, but hopefully it doesn't get that far and there can be some sort of peaceful resolution. But how ridiculous. The sound of a flapping flag. If that's all my neighbors were doing and it annoyed me, then I'd be great. I would be like, cool, I have the best neighbors in the world. (laughs) Because I could think of so many other things that, especially living in a condo or when I lived in an apartment, their music's blasting or they seem to always drop something on the floor. When I lived in New York City, I swear this person above me, they would drop all kinds of shit on the floor and it was just constant noise on the ceiling. I can't even imagine how much noise this flag could possibly be making that you would hear it so much inside your condo. It must be really windy in North Dakota. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's just, this is a really simple one. Just comes down to the fact that, well, it comes down to this freedom to display American flag act of 2005. Yeah. You know, if that's true, then he's protected by law and can do it if he wants to. Yeah, kind of like how the constitution should work. Yeah. And if this act of 2005 doesn't cover what's going on and the condo association tells him to take it down, then I don't know that he has a choice. I don't really know, you know, what's going on with his neighbor and whether it's, you know, vindictive or not. But mm-hmm. this one just seems a little cut and dry. You know, he's, it looks like he's got a right to do it with the yeah. act of 2005. And if he does, then what are they going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Maybe his neighbor should get some of those curtains that drowned out sound or something. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like his problem, to be honest. I looked at the picture and like when I was searching for this article, and it's not a really big flag at all. But I mean, it's, normal. it's about it's half the size flag. of his the neighbor above him, which he said <laughs> has the satellite dish that's on his back. So it's, it's hanging off of his back porch, I guess. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. It's yeah. silly. I know. All right. Yeah. iTunes reviews. After this, we are all out. So if you guys haven't left a review, please do so. I am currently giving away a free calendar, either the Ava Flannel calendar or the Gun Funny calendar. Both are very different. One's a little bit funny. I'm dressed up as a bunny in all of them. Don't ask. It's like the gun bunny thing. And then the other one's a little bit more professional. If you're the winner, just contact me at gunfunny.com. Click on the contact us form. Send me a good address and let me know which calendar you prefer to receive. First review is Durf the Tactical A-Hole. You make Monday so much easier. Five stars got gun. This was a great interview. Ashley is great. I watch her every week on gun stories. Now that I know more about her, I'm a bigger fan. I was thinking I had a shot with her, but in your interview, I found out she's married. But I know you're still single and I can shovel snow. Wink, wink. Keep up the great podcast. Second is Larry C. Show review five stars. And this one actually came via email. I didn't know how else to get this to you as I know the iTunes would not allow it and I no longer use Facebook and give Buckerberg my information. However, this is a great podcast with an outstanding hostess. I love the guests and the information I get from her and them. I've listened since the very beginning and seen the show grow. I've been a patron for a long time and really do miss the Facebook gang, but once again, I am done with Buckerberg and his anti-American crap. If you need a great podcast to listen to, this is it. All right, guys, I want you to pick either the first review or the second to be the lucky winner. That's so so tough. I laughed out loud at the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I love that name. I know. First one wins. (laughs) Okay. I want him to to buy something on our website so he leaves a review. Uh, (laughs) Derf the tactical a-hole. All right, Durf the Tactical A-Hole, you're the winner. So just contact me and let me know which calendar you prefer, either the Ava Flannel or the Gun Funny calendar. Now it's time to wrap up. Guys, you could find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to everything. If you want to check out my most recent review of the Shield 9 Plus, just go to youtube.com forward slash Ava Flannel or on gunfunny.com. There's links to all of that. If you like the show and you want to support it, you should consider becoming a Patreon. All you have to do is go to gunfunny.com, click on the support the show link, and you could either make a one-time pledge or a monthly pledge. And Patreons get access to our GunFunny Patreon-only Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. Just a lot of good people, all like-minded. We make jokes. We talk about guns. Sometimes we talk about stuff that's not related to guns, but it's just a nice, fun group. Also, Blown Deadline gives away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky Patreon each month. All the more reason to become a Patreon. I want to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, and Melissa Ridings. King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say that Let the Bodies Hit the Floor was originally written as Operator Tickles' theme song. And Operator Tickles, that's my dog. So yeah, she's kind of a badass, especially if you guys aren't following her on Instagram, you need to. It's at tac, T-A-C underscore tickles. Get it? Tacticals? Yeah, okay. I guess it's not that funny. (laughs) Uh, All right, guys. 
Well, if you could just remind listeners once again, where they can find you on the interweb, social media, all of that good stuff. Uh, it's premierbodyarmor.com. We're also on all the social media platforms at Premier Body Armor. All right, cool. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all that. Nice. And guys, don't forget to use that 10% coupon and that is just gun funny. And on that note, we are out of here, guys. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ada. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.